Good morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, and a blessed Mother's Day to all to whom that applies. Either physical or spiritual mothers, we pray God's blessings on your special day. The form of our message today is going to be a little bit different than the usual form. I believe the normal way is called expository preaching, where we explain one particular text. And this morning, it's going to be a little bit different. It's not the kind of presentation that I'm sure Pastor Brandon nor I learned in homiletics. We're going to be using an acrostic. In other words, a name, and then we're going to fill in corresponding names to the different letters. If you take out your bulletin, that'll make sense. For the sermon notes, how do you spell mother? Now, first of all, I have to ask you a Jeopardy question. To whom do we credit the establishment of Mother's Day? Anybody? Well, that's a well-known fact, isn't it? <laughs> Her name is Anna Jarvis. And back in 1908, Anna requested that the pastor of her mother's church in Grafton, West Virginia, hold a special service in honor of her deceased mother, who was very active in that church. Anna also made it possible for John Wanamaker. Anybody remember that name? There used to be Wanamaker stores before Amazon. And in this Wanamaker store, a special service was held in honor of mothers. Fast forward to 1914, when the Congress established the second Sunday of May as a National Mother's Day. And President Woodrow Wilson gave a nice little speech. And the rest is history. FTD, Whitman's samplers, and Hallmark have made a killing because of Mother's Day. Well, this morning we're going to take a look at some ladies in the scriptures. Some were actual mothers, and one at least was a potential mother. And we're going to let them give us a message that has to do with our relationship with the Lord. Yes, today we honor mothers, but ultimately we want to honor the Lord and focus on Him. So the first mother is perhaps, not to paraphrase Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the most famous mother of them all was Mary, correct. Now with each of these ladies, I've also given the, the meaning of their name. And maybe some of these names are rather surprising. For example, for Mary, her name means bitter, B-I-T-T-E-R. And we say, Mary, her life should be bitter. After all, she was chosen to be the mother of our Lord. But yet when we think of her life, there were certainly some very bitter moments. Imagine as an unwed mother, 
how the tongues must have wagged about this girl who obviously made at least one bad decision. And also Joseph wasn't too happy to hear about the pregnancy. So her life was bitter. But then especially at the cross, as she witnessed the actual crucifixion of her son, what that must have done to her heart. And I'm sure that in each of our lives, whether we're mothers, fathers, or children, there are moments of bitterness. But as children of God, we remember that in all things, even in times of bitterness, all things must work together for good to those who love the Lord. Another verse, John 2, verse 5, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. This takes us to the very first miracle that our Lord performed, the, the changing of water into wine. And Mary knew that Jesus was going to do something, but she wasn't quite sure. But she said to the servants, do you remember they were told eventually to fill these huge water jugs with water? And what does that have to do with the wine that was lacking at that wedding? But Mary said to the servants, do whatever he tells you, no matter how strange, no matter how difficult, do whatever he tells you. Some of you mature folks might remember the TV show Father Knows Best. Well, here, Mother knew best when she said, do whatever he, Jesus, tells you. And as we think of the scriptures, there are certainly a number of things that Jesus has told us to do. As soon as he began his ministry, he said, repent and believe the good news. And that's why we are believers in Christ today. We have been called to repentance, to a change of mind. That's what that word means. And to believe, to believe the gospel, the good news that in Christ we have forgiveness and peace. There are many others, other words of Jesus where he tells us what to do. Ever been plagued by troubles or worries? Remember what the Lord said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we thank the Lord for inspiring Mary to say, some very significant things. Of course, I have jumped over the first one where, where Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, spoken after this miraculous birth announcement that she would be the mother of the Savior. And although she had many questions, she expressed her relationship to the Lord as a servant, to serve the Lord in whatever way he chooses. May the same be true of us. Let's go on to the next lady. Anybody remember her? Orpah. I'm told that, uh, you, know, you all know Oprah Winfrey. I'm told that she was given her name by a dyslexic aunt who couldn't say Orpah, and it came out to be Oprah. Oprah. 
but that's another story. <laughs> Orpah was a lady who lived in Moab. She was an outsider. And you might remember the story of uh, Ruth, how Naomi, her mother-in-law, because of a famine in Bethlehem, came down into the land of Moab, which was not a good idea because the Moabites were pagans and they so easily led God's people astray. But because of this famine, Naomi and her husband and her boys moved to Moab. And while in Moab, the boys, Malon and Kilian, married these ladies, the natives of Moab, Orpah and Ruth. Sadly, both of the sons of Naomi died, Malon and Kilian. And the names are rather strange. One was puny, the other one was sickly. We say, no wonder they died. <laughs> they didn't do too well. And then you remember how Naomi heard that the famine was over, it's time to move back home. And she starts off with her two daughters-in-law. But then as she approaches the border of Israel, she gives this advice to these two daughters-in-law. Go back home to your people and to your gods. I think Naomi flunked her evangelism course in suggesting that these two gals go back to their family, which was okay, but then to their gods, not the God of Israel. But the, the upshot was that Orpah decided to go back home to her gods and to her people. And perhaps this is a reminder that we need to pray for the many mothers who are not worshiping the true God and that by the power of the Holy Spirit they may come to faith. Orpah has an interesting name. It means youthful, youthful. I'm not sure if maybe Orpah's parents, she would have a contract with uh, Oil of Olay or something that make ladies seem more youthful, but that was the name that she was given. But we were reminded in the scripture that the Lord is the one who renews our youth like the eagles. Now, that takes a lot of explanation, but uh, look it up in, in the Psalms that the Lord enables us, no matter what age, to keep a youthful, hopeful spirit. And that's a gift of our gracious God. The next lady is one I'm sure you did not hear about in Sunday school. Does anyone know who that is? Tamar. There are actually two Tamars in the scriptures. One is a daughter of Absalom, and that's a sad story in itself, but this one is perhaps even sadder. Judah, one of the sons of Jacob, you might recall, had made a, a, a rather questionable suggestion regarding Brother Joseph. It was Judah who along with his other brothers, except Joseph, was very jealous of Joseph. And the plot was, 
let's sell Joseph to get rid of him. Well, that was the chapter before the one we're looking at here. In between the selling of Joseph into slavery in Egypt and when the rest of the story about Joseph revealing himself to his brothers and how God chose Joseph to save Egypt and the surrounding countries from famine, we have this rather deep and troubling story. Judah decided to move away from his family to the land of Canaan, to the Canaanites. And Judah was blessed with three sons, Ur, Onan, and Shelah. Why they named the first boy Ur, maybe they had a hard time remembering his name, and whenever they called him, he said, Hey, Ur, what's your name? Ur. I'm not sure what it means, but it, it's kind of strange. According to the custom of that time, a wife was found for Ur, and her name was Tamar. She was a Canaanite. And Ur was not a very spiritual person, apparently. The Lord struck him because of his wickedness. And with the custom of that time, the widow, Tamar, was now given to the next son in line, whose name was Onan. But Onan didn't like the idea of fathering a child or a son because that son would be counted as a son of Ur, and Onan would lose some of his inheritance. So because of wickedness, Onan died also. Well, there was a third son, Shelah. But for some reason, and maybe it's understandable, Judah did not choose to give Tamar to Shelah. Maybe he thought, this hasn't worked out too well. Every time Tamar marries one of my sons, they die. So maybe that's the reason Judah sent Tamar back home. And now Tamar was left childless and as a widow. But she made a plan which, again, was not one that I'm sure God said, this is a good idea. Tamar knew her father-in-law's spirit. And so she dressed up as a lady of the night, and she knew that Judah, her father-in-law, would be coming down this road and that he would be interested in a little time with a lady of the night. So the arrangement was made, they met, and in payment for Tamar's services, Judah said, I'll pay you in time. And Tamar said, well, give me something to ensure that you will give me payment. And so Judah gave her a signet ring, a cord which symbolized something, and also a shepherd's staff. And when Judah tried to make good on his promise to pay Tamar, Tamar had disappeared. And Judah said, well, I tried to pay her, but can't find her. Three months later, Judah was told that his daughter-in-law, Tamar, was pregnant. And obviously, it seemed that she had done something wrong. And Judah, in righteous indignation, said, bring her back here and have her burned to death. 
That was the punishment for adultery. But Tamar came quietly to Judah, showed him the signet ring, the cord, and the staff, and said, by the, by the owner of these items, I am pregnant. And we read that Judah was humbled at this revelation, and he confessed that she was more honorable than I. Now, that's not a very nice story, but it proves something that God can use even the messes that we get into to turn them around into a blessing. We read here in the book of Ruth, the elders and the people of Bethlehem said this to Boaz before his marriage to Ruth, and we'll talk about Ruth a little bit later. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this woman. Tamar gave birth to two boys, Perez and Zerah. And it was through Perez that the Lord kept the line alive, which led to Boaz, which led to King David, and ultimately to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can read this genealogy in the opening chapter of Matthew. And when you read Perez and Tamar, perhaps you can remember that the Lord can change messy situations to fall in line with his ultimate purpose. The name Tamar, not very significant, palm tree. Isn't that great? <laughs> to name your daughter palm tree. I'll let you think about that. The next lady is one that we heard as the Old Testament reading, and her name is Hannah. And her name means grace, G-R-A-C-E. We know that Hannah suffered mightily under the, uh, the taunts of her husband's other wife. Well, we won't get into the question of bigamy and so forth. But we don't read that Hannah in any way retaliated against her, what do you call it, her, her wife-in-law or, or something. But she showed grace and did not retaliate, but she took her difficulty to the Lord. And the word grace reminds us, again, we're honoring these ladies, but also ultimately we're honoring the Lord. The word grace, of course, is so important in our Christian vocabulary. What is grace? Anyone? Don't be bashful. God's undeserved love. There's an acrostic which maybe some of you have learned. Take the letters of grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. So Hannah, in her life and in the meaning of her name, reminds us of God's amazing grace. Let's go on to the next lady. Anybody have a guess? Yes, if you read the Bible verse, you... 
I made it too easy for you. Her name is Eunice, and she is the mother of whom? Timothy, right. Now, Eunice, her name is very interesting. How many of you have ever worn Nike sneakers? Okay. What is the meaning of the word Nike in Greek? That's a tough question. I, I, I forgive you for not knowing. Uh, Nike is the Greek word for victory. And the two letters EU before the name Eunice or Unike means good. You've heard of euthanasia, which means good death. Or what, there's another name that starts with you, eugenics. Good whatever genics are. That's beyond my pay grade. But Eunice means good victory. And there are some Bible verses that remind us of the good victory that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. St. Paul said, Blessed be God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus once said, this is the victory that overcomes the world. What? Our faith. So Eunice reminds us of the victory that we have in Jesus. Now, the verse that we associate with Eunice, Timothy is told, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. St. Paul is giving thanks for God's work in the lives of these relatives of Timothy and through their sharing of the word of God, the Holy Spirit created faith in the heart of Timothy. The example that we as mothers, fathers, aunts, or aunts as we say here, and uncles, is so powerful. What kind of example do we leave for our children? An example that will help grow and nourish faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Every morning I read a little uh, calendar from Germany which has a scriptural exposition on one side and a story that illustrates it on the other. The reason I'm doing that is because my mother, every morning, she had this thing hanging on the wall, this calendar. She'd tear off a page, and she'd quietly sit there and read it. And for me, that was a powerful example that led me to continue that practice until this very day. The day that she died, we found the calendar page for that day on her chair. What example do we leave for our children to connect them with the Lord? Our final lady down at the bottom, the letter R, I'm sure you know, Ruth, right. Ruth was also like her sister-in-law Orpah, a stranger. She was a Moabitess, and that was a bad name in itself. But Ruth showed to her 
mother-in-law, Naomi, unfailing commitment and love. And if you've never read the story of Ruth, please do so. It's a fantastic story of how God brings outsiders into the family and uses them for his purposes. Perhaps at your wedding, somebody sang these words of Ruth, entreat me not to leave thee, etc. For, for whether I go, whether you go, I will go, and so forth. This famous verse showed the commitment of Ruth to her mother-in-law. Now, I know there are many mother-in-law jokes. I'm not going to tell any of them. It would be very inappropriate. But the commitment, the love that Ruth showed to Naomi is, is really exemplary. As I said at the beginning, we today honor mothers, spiritual or physical or, or whatever, but ultimately we want to give honor to our Lord and Savior Jesus. And so we look at the meaning of the, of the name Ruth. Anybody have a guess? I heard it. Friendship, yes. Uh, Kira did some good homework before church, and she said, I know all these names. I said, well, you can go home now. <laughs> but thank you for being here. Yeah, friendship. And ultimately, we think of the friendship that has been established as a believer in Christ with our Savior. There was a time when Jesus told his disciples that people were criticizing him because of his friendship with tax collectors and sinners. Well, that was a word of criticism. But when you think of it, isn't that a, 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 an expression or a truth for which we praise God? That Jesus is the friend of sinners, so much so that he laid down his life for you and me, his friends. Jesus called his disciples friends. In this verse, from John 15, verse 14, I have called you friends because all that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. And that's one of the reasons that we are here today as brothers and sisters in Christ, because of our friend and Savior, Jesus the one who gave his life and rose again victoriously, that we could be sure of our eternal home with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever.